Well, flippin' heck, it's only happy times and places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast, which, for one week only, changes in sound quality halfway through the episode when something broke. It's still listenable, but it changes. Just be aware. It's not your ears. So, I'm Andrew Smith. Uh, I'm a writer, and um, in relation to Doctor Who, I wrote Full Circle... And for the last 10 years plus, I've contributed several stories to uh, the Big Finish audio ranges for Doctor Who and other titles. So, Toby, for uh, my contribution to this excellent series of yours, I've selected The Dominators. Well, hello, everybody. It's time for episode two of nobody's favourite Patrick Troughton story, The Dominators which, as you heard there, is uh, not even our special guest, Andrew Smith, writer of Full Circle and a great many fine Big Finish adventures too. Um, Andrew is a lovely, lovely chap um, and he's yeah, a canon, proper Doctor Who writer. Uh, I'm lucky enough now to count as a friend um, because he got in touch with me many moons ago on Twitter and said, oh, I'm going to come and see your show. And so we we met up after the show and... Uh, how delightful that was. Well, I think I think he, we, we, we spoke a bit on Twitter first, and then he said, oh, I'm going to come and see your show. And and uh, we've been chums ever since. And uh, he's a really interesting guy, policeman, uh, for many, many years. And then when he retired, he went back to writing, writing for Doctor Who for Big Finish. Um, so he's chosen a story that he remembers, because he's a bit older than me. Uh, so this, for him, is nostalgia. Whereas for me... Uh, it was uh, it was one of the few Pat- full Patrick Troughton stories available, and it was one I yearned to see actually as a youngster because um, I'd, I'd loved the pictures of the quarks. And I remember being quite relieved and go, well, uh, you know, we haven't got many Patrick Troughtons, um, but uh, but I was quite excited that the Dominators was one of the ones that we did that we did have. Uh, but I've I've never really loved it over the years but I really enjoyed episode one there so let's see what happens when we go to the planet of peace Dulcis in episode well we, 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 we've spent episode one on the planet of peace Dulcis but we're gonna now go you and I uh, as a podcast broadcaster and a listener we're gonna transport ourselves to uh, Doctor Who in 1968 and the planet of Dulcis episode two of the Dominators, and I'm going to start playing it in three, two, one. Whoopity doo, whoopity doo. Um, yeah, I remember being uh, jealous because they'd showed this. I remember at Longleat. Uh, I didn't go to Longleat, but my friend Ollie, who was my friend who got all the stuff that I wanted, I remember. Uh, I'll probably mention this a lot, but I remember I, I, I tracked down Zuckus, who was a. Uh, 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 a Star Wars figure that we couldn't find in the shops anywhere. And I remember finding it, and it, it, it's a shop that didn't have many figures. We tried all the big ones, finding it with the, in a shop that just had a handful. And I got Zuckus, and I thought, yeah, but I bet, phew, I bet if I get this, he'll get an at-at, which is the, you know, the impossible to get giant, you know, big prize toy. And I rang him, and honestly, I said, you'll never believe it, I've got Zuckus. And he went, oh, well, uh, well, I was in the shop with my gran, and, and I just went, please, please, please. And eventually she relented and got it me. Whereas if I kept saying please to somebody to get something, I'd have had a clip round the ear. Anyway, 
uh, he went. He wasn't even as big a fan as me, and he went to Longleat. Uh, but he very kindly gave me his program, um, and he didn't watch any of the stories. Anyway, he just sort of, you know, he, I think he walked around and saw some of the panels. But but there was a tent, wasn't there? Uh, wasn't there? Uh, where the idea that actually watching an, uh, episodes was as exciting as seeing a panel with some of the some of the stars. Um, so Barry Newbury's back as designer. Uh, oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a special effect shot, isn't it? Where where Jamie is flung back against the wall, whereas Troughton has to sort of act it and go out of shot. Um, going your bodies to the wall. He's got a sort of slightly dead, slightly ethereal sort of delivery. That's really nice, actually. That that nice, clever piece of camera work um, to suggest that uh, you know to have to have to have, to have Jamie uh, with within the wall that he was pinioned to sort of then turned horizontal so let's look at the quarks i think the quarks played by school children john hicks gary smith and freddie wilson um we make a mistake in the because uh, you never know what somebody's going to say in the commentary i remember uh fraser hines going oh yeah one of one of them was in in crossroads so I gave him the names and he went, oh, yeah, Fr Freddie Wilson, he was in Crossroads. No, Freddie Foote was in Crossroads and Freddie Foote was uh, the servo robot in The Wheel in Space. So you think, well, that's him. He's, Fraser's just made a mistake. Another young actor, uh, you know, only a few weeks before saying a diminutive robot. Um, however, I tracked Freddie Foote down and then spoke to him on the phone. And, uh, uh, and he claims he was a quark uh, as well as the servo robot. And I've got the production file. There is no evidence of that, unless maybe on, you know, on one of the recordings on the last, you know, at the last minute, one of the others was ill and he came in and did that. I don't know. I don't know. But that's not. I'm still not letting Fra Fraser was just getting the the two confused. Um, anyway, Ronald. Yeah, Ronald Allen is super, and you know he's in Doctor Who a year or so later as. Ralph Cornish and uh, look at the way his upper lip is sort of slightly curling in in sort of thinly veiled disgust um but it's a contained performance and I love that shot look at the way he sort of leans in like a malevolent t tortoise who's you know going through a terrible divorce <laughs> uh um so I think one of the the reasons we we're, we're not over the moon about the Dominators as a community, and obviously there's bound to be somebody listening who goes, well, actually it's my favourite story, but I'm generalising, and I know it's uh, this may be news to to some of the younger listeners, but sometimes a, a general sentence, uh, its specifics aren't all about aren't tailed entirely to you, and it's not of great offence if if they're not. Um, uh, but I think one of the issues here is I. I do think that, and you know, Romans wore togas, sure, but I think, I think the curtain ball gowns that some of the some of the Dulcians wear, are not great. And I, 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 and I actually think that that high skirt that Felicity Gibson's got going, going right, that's not that's not a great costume either. And Zoe gets one later, doesn't she? Yeah, and I'm I'm not wild about the Dulcian costume policy i have to say and i don't know why because it's an attempt to it's an attempt to do something spacey 
without being sort of silver and shiny. So, you know, I sort of approve of that. Uh, and, and having something based on an ancient culture, you know, um, well, has... A, you know is 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 a sensible policy because you go well it's you know this is something that has been done therefore it's uh it's uh it's conceivable um i just think it's aesthetically it it looks a bit it looks to us now a bit sort of cod cod sci-fi i do i like jamie's uh uh leather jerkin though with fur-lined leather jerkin and he's wearing a uh a it's got a woggle, isn't it? It's like a, a Cub Scout. It's a, it's a sort of cravat, but it's got a woggle. So it's a, is it called a woggle? The thing that Cub Scouts had that that, that like the little ring that uh, that holds it together. You don't see that. I'm sure they're called a woggle, and that, that might have just been something that what my mother called it. She used to run the Cubs and the Scouts. I n never, I was never part of it though. Weirdly, I think they were far too practical and muddy for me. <laughs> uh, Troughton is great, isn't he? He's so good, um, and I th and I yeah, I already have an inkling that that might be my favourite thing of the episode uh, coming up, uh, which is uh, is is uh, the Doctor pretending. Oh, that's quite that's quite abstract. The uh, the suggestion, the the sort of receding circle suggesting uh, flight. Ah, now here we go in the council chamber. I got slightly muddled. The um. There were supposed to be female statues here, played by actresses. One of them was going to be Valerie Stanton, who turns up later as uh, uh, Madeleine Sigri's secretary in The Space Pirates. She died a couple of years ago. And they didn't use the, the female statues in the end, who were going to be played by actresses who were nonetheless booked. Um, but they were people in the, in the nuclear... Um, a, a, a museum last time but they weren't they weren't female they were they were they were men covered in bits and bobs so uh, right principle wrong gender of supporting artist being a dummy rather than a statue but anyway because I, I suddenly thought oh hang on I thought I did worry that I'd got a slight muddle so I did just double check that so that is all right and correct um, it's funny seeing Zoe in her wheel in space costume because, of course, yeah, she's she's still relatively new, but she's right into the action. I love Wendy Padbury; she's great. Um, I, I I do like. I have to say, I I I rather like the the two unnamed council members who just spend the whole thing being idiots, but they do it rather well. Ronald Mansell and John Cross, uh, and then because the, uh, there's four there's four of them. There's, there's, I'm not counting Bovem, uh, the bald guy played by Alan Gerard, um, uh, who's who's just been interrupted by the arrival of. Now, who would you think, dear listener, is the main guest star of the Dominators? Could it be Crossroads actor Ronald Allen playing the the chief Dominator, or could it be his, um, you know, uh, his his testy sidekick, who's a very interesting character and and the main sort of villainous villainous one because he does all the killing kenneth ives as toba or could it be cully here the rebellious youth who's uh, on the side of the good guys and the and the hope for the future of dulcis as it emerges from pacifism into bloody murder no it's none of them it's this guy it's walter fitzgerald uh who's only in episodes two to four um and and it's not a, it's not a great part but uh 
in you know in in the Billings. Uh, it's starring Patrick Troughton with Walter Fitzgerald, Ronald Allen, Kenneth Ives, and Arthur Cox, and Fraser Hines, Wendy Padbury, because that's how it would go. So you know, if 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 the credits weren't done in order of appearance as they are at the end of the episode, but in order of importance, uh, Walter Fitzgerald would be next billed after Troughton. And here he is, a fine film actor in his day. Uh, a little bit, I would say, past it. Is that, can one say that? Uh, now it's and it's not a it's not a great part. Um, and I mean, he's only. I mean, if you think of seventy-two-year-olds that you know now, I think he's about. I think he's early seventies in this. Uh, but you know, people lived through a a lot worse than we do so aged a bit uh aged aged a bit differently uh although as i say that said arthur, arthur cox is not as middle-aged as 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 our initial look at him might suggest um so it's a nice set it's a bit this is this reminds me a bit of sort of episodes of out of the unknown uh, I don't know if it's just because of Philip Voss and my association with uh, doing the commentaries and things for, the, for for that series on the now deleted DVD box set that we worked very hard on. Um, uh, but the but the sort of slightly painted backdrop remind me of the of the kind of Isaac Asimovy futurist key uh, sets of some of those productions. And and Barry Newbury had of course done loads of design work for the show early in the. Uh, in the series and, and, and hasn't returned to Who uh, much uh, um, from from those early seasons and, and now here he is. Um, I, I I quite like the the different panels on the on the Quark ship. I, I like the the fact that it's it's sort of based on the TARDIS principle, isn't it? That they've got a central dais uh, uh, that you can sort of move around, which uh, makes for some interesting movement. Now this is Troughton at. I, th- I actually like the quarks. I was, I was worried about them being a little bit wobbly, but I actually think, uh, I think they're a fan- I think they're rather a good design. Um, Trouton, tr- tr- being this sort of panicking child that he is, this, this uh, 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 slightly pesky urchin, uh, uh, and of course he's he's deliberately making a hash of this, um, and 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 pretending that it's because he's. Uh, a bit stupid uh, and a bit panicked, but he wears the panic so well and so convincingly, even though it's it's arch and childish. He he embodies that sort of slightly overgrown child thing that it that it works within the characterization. And of course, what he's doing is he's doing the brilliant thing that Doctor Who does at Doctor Who's best is uh, is making the enemy underestimate you. Uh, yeah, and in. And, and, it, and it's what's and it's and 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 I and, and I mean it, I think it is a slight issue with the story that they that, that they they don't these ruthless guys don't just kill these uh, th- these these two characters but but the doctor and Jamie convince them that they're stupid and Rago wants to conserve power so uh, we don't kill them a nice little spark effect there which I think is on film um, and and I love that Jamie joins in and that's got to be Troughton and Hines there with he grabs the doctor and starts electrocuting him so they know that they're putting themselves both putting themselves through pain 
in order to convince the dominators that they're stupid, and it's and it's very easy to convince them that they're stupid because, <laughs> and I think they're a joy. I think Troughton and Hines are are gold dusters. There's, there's a real rapport between them, uh, and and I sort of like it when you when when that. I mean, it's it's counterintuitive really because I like. I like it when you know actors are, are, are completely consumed in the character and, and you completely believe it. But I also quite like it when you can see an element of the actors off screen, on screen. Uh, it's well, there's no reason why you can't like both of those those things in the same way that I like uh, character acting, but also I uh, you know I like stars who are the same in everything. So um, as long as it's good, uh, and, and I love the way they put their hands right up in the air. Troughton and Hines are beautiful, um, but but you know the, the the dominators do let them now. I think for the rest of the story wander about causing trouble, and you sort of and and the script tries to the script is aware that that is a problem, so it goes well. No, we'll tie it in with the fact that we don't want to run out of power, and it would take power to destroy them, and that would be a needless waste. And it's a, it's a, and it sort of illustrates that the, the dominators. You know, are, are, are callously disdainful of that that they see as being inferior, which ends up being a shortcoming of theirs. But it's, but I think it's too stark a shortcoming. Why not just throttle them? You know, why not punch them to death? Um, oh, he says robots like Terence Sticks. He's been talking to Terence Sticks. Robots. Uh, 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 I th oh, he's so good, Ronald Allen. I'm, I think that I'm assuming that's a wig he's got on, um, or maybe it's not. But he's it's, it's dark hair. But there, as I, 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 he is like a sort of malevolent tortoise. Uh, but he's got a very golem-like countenance. Well, he hasn't. The makeup on him is very good. They've sunken his eyes and they've they've sort of chiselled his features. Uh, and he is like a sort of st stone edifice of cruelty. But it's not a sadistic cruelty, and, and I do quite like that. That um, uh, that uh, contrast between uh, Ronald Allen's low-key, studied, disdainful cruelty, in a way, and and uh, Kenneth Ives's more sadistic, uh, which which of course Rago sees as a as a as a shortcoming enjoying it too much uh, and this is this is nice that the track well one I like the uh, I like the hole in the wall that's that's nicely done um, track track and brilliant that we don't like them much they tell us what to do I think he's, he's creating this whole um, hierarchical system on Dulcis between clever ones and stupid ones which is all completely made up but uh, again he embodies it so well um, and, and of course, and of course, the. Shall I destroy So uh, the irony of this, of course, is because I mean, Toba is an idiot, as we. I mean, Toba spends most of the story being Burke, um, and an insubordinate one, and Rago, because because of the way that he's played and because of his status within it. Um, you know, he is the cool-headed, more cool-headed one. 
we're we're led to kind of think, well, he's you know he's right. You know, you you don't want a, a subordinate who is who is wayward, who doesn't obey commands, and who is who, who, who doles out death arbitrarily just because he enjoys it. And yet, if Rago had listened to Toba and Toba had been allowed to kill everybody he wanted, they their plan would have succeeded. So it's slightly contrary to what we expect, and indeed the way that the whole thing is played out. It's only when you sort of stop and think about it, you go, but, but actually, no, Toba, who's the, the foolish one, is is right. Um, <laughs> um, and it's Cully being Senex's son is is handy because uh, it gets them access to the council and all that sort of thing. But that that outside, yeah, the, seeing outside the window, the, the the sort of city, which is just a just a painted flat, isn't it? But uh, that's quite effectively done. Oh, but that. So, there's a clothing dispenser. I love that where you go, well, this is what happens in space. Uh, you get your clothes, you just, you just dial up your clothes. Uh, <laughs> and of course, everybody wears the same clothes. So, um, I mean, it's, it's basically a leotard with some, with some netting, isn't it? That poor old Felicity. You have to walk around in your underwear a lot in, in futuristic 60s, who didn't you? Um, uh, and uh, I think, yes, I mean, they, they have a bash with these characters. And uh, I remember there was a, I remember there was a rumour when I was a youngster that, the, that some of the Dalsians were painted gold. And I remember Doctor Who magazine citing an interview with Giles Block, who plays Teal. Uh, and and that, I remember that planted a seed of going, oh, you can, you can, people are interview sort of supporting actors. Oh, I like the idea of that because they're gonna they're gonna tell some stories I've probably never heard because of course I've poured over the interviews with the regulars. Um, uh, they're very jolly, aren't they? So in Cully together, they're having a sort of they're having a Saturday tea time adventure for kids. Um, <laughs> um, now, and of course we have. Uh, the no, don't destroy them. It's a waste of energy. Um, so yes, here's Giles Block, who uh, is uh, one of that few, and don't quibble with the word few, numbers of people who is uh, uh, somebody whose sibling has also been in Doctor Who, because Giles Block's brother Timothy Block is Tanner, the taxi driver, uh, taxi driver, the the chauffeur in Black Orchid. So the Block. Brothers have both done a Doctor Who. Giles Block is uh, is a director at the Globe Theatre. He was master of the verse at the Globe Theatre. Uh, uh, a great man of Shakespeare, uh, and he's uh, he's a very nice fellow. I've I've interviewed him for Who's Round as well as uh, having him on. Uh, he well he participated in the the commentary for the Dominators that we did. Um, so yeah, the Dominators are the masters of the Ten Galaxies, but you can just wander into their spaceship. <laughs> uh, now, these voices, Sheila Grant is a fabulous uh, voice actress. Her, her, her voices crop up a lot in, uh, uh, ow, that looked really painful, um, in, in, in the Radio 4 Extra plays that I present uh, from the archive. She's, she's long dead, sadly. But I always, her name always stuck out to me because um, 
there was a character called Sheila Grant in Brookside, played by the excellent Sue Johnston. Uh, uh, so, I, so she, yes, I always noticed her name. That's really well done, the way that they do that, uh, that the, 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 the table sort of flattening out just with a bit of trickery. Um, and I do, I do like, uh, he looks so good with his, his analysing headgear on. And he's really, <laughs> he's really not a fun guy, is he, Rago? He's a very sort of clinical, cold and clinical uh, scientist. Um, uh, and, and that makes sense, you know, going, well, we'll keep them alive because we might need a labour force. Um, that's, you know, that's an absolutely good use of resources if you're, uh, you know, if you're marauding creatures on a warpath, you know, you have to, if you're using the planets that you invade as kind of waste stations, you uh, you sort of top up your resources from there. I like these shots on film, they look good. I wish, uh, and I think the Dominators and the Quarks look good together. I think it's a, it's a pleasing, it's a pleasing visual. They are, and they're not quite as sort of plonky and wibbly wobbly as I thought. So the and their voices, the quarks' voices, um, all of their noises are treatments of um, Sheila Grant's voice, aren't they? Uh, and and I think that's a really really nice idea. And I and I think having these you know creatures that melt your face to bits uh, and you know blow you up and whatever, having these high-pitched voices is is nicely incongruous you know the, the Dalek voices are brilliant and they're scary and harsh and menacing but I think there's I, I think it's an admirable idea to go well let's let's have the voices quite disarming you know it's, it's the who are you my mummy uh, sort of ideology isn't it of, of have something with a an innocent voice that makes the fact that it's a it's it's a, then a parody of innocence and a and a and a thing of destruction, um, you know that works. That's that's a that's a really good idea. And unfortunately, I think oh that's a, that's excellent. That's excellent model work. And yeah, I really like that sequence with the quarks on the top of the hill. Oh, I think there's a few episode endings, aren't there, where <laughs> where the buildings falls in on Cully and somebody else. Um, Oh yes, oh yes. And fade to black. Yeah, that's all right, that's all right, that's all right. Um, you know, it's very hard to do a building falling to bits on a, on a Doctor Who budget, and especially then sort of have it as the last piece of action. So we do have that bit where the actors sort of have to clasp onto each other and fade to black as quickly as possible, please, so that nobody's hanging around. Um, but I love the, the bit outside with the... Yeah, with the dominators there, with the quarks and the quarks on the hill, and shows how powerful they are that from a distance they can sort of total, total a building. Um, very nice, very nice. Um, so we'll talk more about the quarks voices. Well, yes, I do like the principle. Um, I'm less convinced about the practice, but we will talk about that I'm sure during it. Ah, now you see, Britbox has skipped to the next episode and it's playing it really slowly, but that's okay. Oh, it's like watching it on an old VHS switch going, oh, because that used to happen all the time. As each episode stopped and finished, you, you never had a clean opening. If you were watching on a bootleg, it always sort of started by going, 
And I, do you know what? So part of me. So maybe that's what Britbox is trying to do. It's trying to recreate the old bootleg experience. Uh, <laughs> what we should have is have the Super Channel logo in the corner of the Tom Baker stories. Ah, so uh, apologies, everybody. I think my laptop ran out of memory <laughs> halfway through recording. So um, I've just done a bit of jiggery pokery just so at least the end of this episode uh, is of the kind of quality I like to do this stuff in. So uh, I have to choose my favourite thing for episode two, which is... Uh, well, it's going to be Patrick Troughton um, pretending to be stupid. Uh, I love that. Uh, I, th- I think it speaks to how the Doctor, you, you know, use, uses wit um, and intelligence, you know, by by flagging a lack of intelligence that's you know as that's that's not that's not that's that's a that's a front uh in order to it's a guy it's guile which is great because it's fun but it's also it's you know manipulative uh uh it's sneaky um but also it allows Troughton to play up being incompetent which he does so well you know the He's a sort of butterfingers, but you know he's a butterfingers kind of guy. Troughton is the most butterfingers of all the Doctor, uh, and also that sort of that, that hapless schoolboy thing that he does that is so that is so winning, and again sort of disarms disarms the opposition really because it's believable too. In lesser hands, it would be it it it, it would be unbelievable. Um. So what is good old Andrew Smith going to choose? For his thing number two. I am choosing Troughton being stupid. Okay, and now I'll pick my favourite thing from episode two. It's a close-run thing because I was quite taken by uh, the way the Dominators immobilised their prisoners, sticking them to the wall, which had then become a table. It's a nice little flourish, that. But I've gone instead for the scene where Ronald Allen as Rago uh, examines Jamie... Uh, with his visor on, quite spooky, menacing, creepy, uh, and again, just a yeah, a, a nice little flourish. And I don't know if I've noticed it before, because if I if I did, I've forgotten. But he points out that Jamie has only one heart, and then when he has the Dulcian under examination later, he mentioned that Dulcian has two hearts, um, which suggests that the Again, the dominators themselves have two hearts, so it's not a uh, a bodily feature that's unique to Time Lords by any means. Um, but yeah, so uh, Rago examining Jamie on the table with his spooky futuristic visor is my favourite thing from episode two. Ah, well, I do like Rago's spooky futuristic visor, as Andrew describes it. Uh, and yes, the two hearts... Of the Dulcians now is the subtext there saying they've got too much heart and actually you need to be cold and pragmatic in the face of uh, subjugation uh, or if it's just a bit of nice sort of alien colouring. Um, but yes, of course, and the Time Lords are the, the most famous uh, two-hearted people in Doctor Who um, and I'm sure somebody somewhere might write a story to show that the Dulcians are uh, some faction of... Um, Time Lord sleeper agents or Time Lords who've abandoned uh, the ways of Time Lordery for the ways of Namby Pamby pacifism um, and whether they're painted gold or not who knows I think I, I think that ended up just being a load of 
Um, you can see from Giles Block's colouring that there is that, that, that it's not an impossible suggestion uh, that there might be some sort of golden aspect to them, if only their hair. But anyway, um, oh, and then the then the rumours that certain Patrick Troutons were. I remember, God, there was a there was a time when uh, Fury from the Deep existed, and Episode Four was in colour. I mean, God, we fell for so much. It's a good job we don't do that nowadays. <laughs> Fall for any episode missing episode rumour. Going no matter how extraordinary the claims. <laughs> Um, so look, I'm sorry about the sound dipping there. I'm glad we got it back. I'm, I'm, I was going to do more Dominators tonight, but I fear I need to tidy up my computer, back things up, and uh, do that, and convince myself I've actually done something. Well, it is sort of useful. Um, I'm surprised Andrew didn't choose uh, Patrick Troughton's um, uh, charade, uh, but uh, let's see. So he's he's. Andrew is two one up on me. Uh, I'm uh, I'm getting nowhere near him. Um, I think he's. It's interesting because he watched it as a kid. Uh, I, I wonder if there are things that you know, images that uh, that are sort of seared into his brain that are you know, uh, a comforting slash scary to watch. They have a resonance that they don't have with me because I you know I got this on a on a murky VHS on the on the butt end of my video collecting. Uh, but anyway. I'm enjoying the Dominators. I think it's got it's got a bit more to to recommend it than I've hitherto thought. Obviously, I've programmed myself to be positive, so that's part of it. I'm looking to enjoy it, but actually, that's not a bad thing to do with life, as it throws all sorts of uh, disastrous things at you. To try and see to try and see the good is what this podcast is all about, and as a result, I'm enjoying the Dominators. I hope you are too. Uh, and uh, let's reconvene here when I have a slightly more functional computer. Until then, goodbye. Thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Andrew Smith, who can be found on Twitter at Andrew Smith. But there's a catch. It's a capital A capital S and the E of Andrew is actually the number three I'd like to thank him as I say and the many patrons who make these podcasts possible and they include Paul Cook, Richard Chalk, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Ian K. McLachlan, Nathan Martin, Adam Parker, Barry Platt, Risto Matisarillo, David Trainier, Shanti Day, John Arnold, Sam Hollingsworth, Nathan Martin, John Rumpet, Sam Estirem, Christopher Meredith, and Joel Ahrens. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join that list of patrons, you can by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and signing up for as little as £3 a month. That gets you access to advance releases. You could have been listening to this in March 2022, or maybe April, um, but certainly ahead of where you're listening to it now if you are not a patron. And uh, you also get the Indefinable Magic and Too Much Information podcasts early and the Far Too Much Information podcast and monthly AMAs and other things exclusively 
Uh, and uh, that's, as I say, starts from as little as £3 a month, but you get a 10% discount if you signed up for a year. However, I know times are tough and a monthly uh, obligation can be a little bit daunting. So you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock and just uh, bung a donation my way whenever you're feeling flush or I'm sounding hungry. Still gratefully received. What costs nothing, of course, is to go to iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you could just give me a little bit of your time to give these a five star review, those five star reviews really help to get the word out there and to make our algorithms look all shiny and delightful to any passing trade and perhaps a couple of lines of review as well saying what you like about these again that gives people some idea of what they might be in for if they decide to have this on their bus journey instead of i don't know joe rogan or a podcast about owls um not to knock either of those things but um but but this is a suitable alternative i hope suppose there was a gap in the market for a joe rogan podcast about owls now i think i i I think everyone would give that a try um do check out my comedy as well at excess malarkey comedy club in manchester every tuesday and online at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey uh, I'm not going to ramble on too much at the end of this one, uh, just to give you an insight into my day. Uh, started with too much to do and then uh, Linda Barron sadly passed away and I was given less than 12 hours to write down all of her life in 900 words. And wouldn't it be easy if Linda Barron's birth name was Linda Barron and all of the details about her family life and background and indeed name online were accurate? Well, none of those things turned out to be the case. So it's been quite a dogged uh, search, uh, of course, under a time constraint. So I'm doing this at the end of a very, very long day. And tomorrow I have to be up early to have my ague-ridden skin checked by a top dermatology consultant. So death and dermatitis. Uh, the order of my week so far it's only a monday as i record this oh what joys will the rest of the week bring well death dermatitis and clearly dominators (laughs) it's it's a good job we all are out there for me to offload onto bye